morning, everyone. My name is Angela. Welcome to our second podcast. Today, we have a special guest. He is a teacher at my school at Millican Mills. Let's introduce Mr. Christopher Williams. Hi, everybody. Yes, I am Mr. Williams. I am a teacher at Millican Mills High School, and I have been a teacher there for almost 30 years now. And uh, yeah, we do a lot of great uh, environmental work and some very interesting programs, and I'm excited to talk to you about them today. Yes, so we are aware that you are actually a part of the Green Party. Uh, We're just wondering, uh, what is the Green Party about and why did you join the Green Party? Wow, Uh, you know, in 2019, uh, that was the the year of the last federal election. It seems like uh, a long time ago, actually, from now. Uh, now, but uh, I was approached by uh, the Green Party of Canada to see if I would be interested in being a candidate for Markham Thornhill. And I guess because over the years I've done a lot of environmental work and I've been involved with a lot of people who have the same kind of mission and goals, uh, they thought I might be a candidate that would be interested. And so I said yes, and uh, I decided at the time to run for the Green Party for them and what a ride that was that uh, it ended up being uh, you know a real experience that I thought I could maybe take my my passion for the environment uh, and turn it into a civic responsibility and kind of learn along the way but it was a challenge and it was a learning experience uh, and maybe it's the last time that I'll do it. <laughs> So you mentioned that you did some environmental work, and I think uh, you've mentioned that you are a part of the program called TEAM. So what is the program TEAM, and what inspired you to teach the program? Okay, well, TEAM is a program that I actually was given the the great privilege of developing and starting uh, and designing really back, way back in 1994, and possibly 1993. My memory is not working that sharply, but it was a long time ago. And the, the whole purpose of the program was to try and create opportunities for students in a holistic way where students who are challenged to be in regular school classrooms could could connect in a program that was overall more of an elementary school approach as opposed to a, a, a secondary approach. So small group environment and with a real purpose though, with a structure as well as academic experiences like academic courses and curriculum, which would enable the students to move through the program over multiple years and be able to come in in grade nine or 10 and stay right through to graduation. And then community projects and partnerships, which would be another cornerstone where we were looking at relevant, meaningful, uh, and authentic learning supported by real people in the community who needed real things done and continue to need real things done, uh, where we could participate participate together and develop purposeful projects and have a real result. So boardwalks, for example, we've built a few of them. We built a one of the first boardwalks on the Trans-Canada Trail in Caledon. And we did that as a group. The McDonald's Community Centre patio next door to the school was our first project. And we built that, designed that, and we built that together. Uh, and that was a $60,000 project that we were, you know, in our first year of the program, we were given that uh, privilege to do that. And I think that's kind of the essence of the program is, and it continues to be the same, is to take students out of environments maybe where they're not meeting with success because their learning style is is more experiential or uh, kinesthetic. You know, this is a different way of of learning because it's much more hands-on. It's very, very connected to real consequences and the real world, which is fantastic. Yeah. So how did you think that this program impacted the youths that are a part of this? Over the years, over the 28 or nine years now that we've been in operation, you know, we've had a lot of 
kids come through. So that means that we've had a lot of success stories. Uh, and here's one funny story that I always chuckle on is, that, so we do a lot of uh, environmental ecological restoration as a priority in our program. And so right after the first couple of years of the program, when we had built a few things and, and restored a few environmental areas uh, in cooperation with other partners, I had a student who graduated and he called me a couple of years, uh, three years after he graduated. And he said, hey, coach, because they, they call me coach. And he said, hey, coach, what are you doing this summer? And I said, well, not a lot, I hope. I'm hoping to take a break. And he said, well, I need you to work for me. And he had started his own landscape company and he was trying to hire me back to work for him. And I thought that was really funny because, uh, you know, when he first came into to our, our program, he didn't really have a direction. He didn't really have any real focus, to be honest. And, and his life wasn't going the way he wanted. And then a few years later, he tried to hire me for his own landscape company, which continues, by the way, to do very, very well. And he's got children and, you know, he's, he's got a great life. And he's really happy. Uh, I've also got a student that I like to kind of tell people about who was in desperate straits when he first came to team. He was uh, not doing well uh, socially, emotionally, uh, and was disconnected and had quit school, actually. And he came to team and we tried to, you know, support him in every way possible, which we did, and try to help him to rebuild him himself in some ways and to reconnect with himself. And he started, uh, when he graduated, he started a program at George Brown, um, a very basic social work program, the community uh, worker. And he got that. And then he worked through to uh, another program. Uh, and then he moved over to a connected program at university and social work. And then started a PhD. And that was a few years ago. So I know this young guy well enough to, to, to know that he's got his PhD by now. And so he came through our program. He, you know, We've had teachers come through our program who are now teachers. A lot of very, very uh, profound success stories where individuals were maybe, you know, they just couldn't see where they might fit. And through the process of, of the engagement uh, and, and the opportunities that we could provide and the support that we could give them uh, that, and the care and the love that we put into everything, well, all these people have been able to do, you know, no matter what it is, it's really incredible stuff. So fantastic uh, opportunities to work with with kids who are challenged and then, you know, flip it over and do amazing things. It's great. Yeah, it's amazing how this program actually influenced him to turn his life around from being like a dropout to, you know, on his way to get his PhD, which is actually amazing. So our next question is uh, related to our last one. So how is it important to engage the youth in environmental activism? Well, and, and in my mind, the most important area of, of our learning where we can provide opportunities to connect back to ourselves. So learning is like that. I mean, being outside is, is primarily uh, the best place to be for any of us. And, and we know that. And, and, and we talked about that. I mean, being able to be outside and in the air and around nature is what restores us. And, and science is supporting that now. Um, you know, we need that kind of daily restoration in order for us to feel good about ourselves and to be healthy and to, to fight all of the potential mental health problems that we all face every day, especially in this pandemic. So I look at environmental education as as a way to connect kids to what's most important, first of all, young people, uh, but also to make huge contributions to their local and extended community environments because the projects and the work that we do is helping not only them, but it's helping everyone 
Because when we go out and, and say we work with an organization like Ontario Streams, one of our partners, and we restore a riverbank, you know, which we did just prior to the pandemic, we were planting trees and we were in a river and we were doing watershed work, basically trying to improve the quality of that, that watershed for habitat for red side dace, which is a, a fish that's endangered and in indicator species for the trout that will swim through there for the insects that are necessary for that ecosystem to thrive. When we're in there doing that work, it's hard work, but it is, it is so rewarding that work that because you're giving you're not only learning and doing the physical work, but you're, you're giving back to everybody by doing that. So you're leaving a legacy and connecting to a legacy that is really, really important for all of us as human beings and as, as human beings in our community. It, it's, uh, it's really, really rewarding. Mm -hmm. And I've mentioned this before, but it's actually, you know, it's not always just about helping the environment. It's like also the environment helping you because like you said, there are like facts that nature can like lift your mood and bring you out of this depressive state. So, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand how we help the environment and they give back to us as well. So next question is, are there any misconceptions about the environment that you wanted to clarify? So like global warming, I know that some people don't acknowledge it um, as a real problem because, you know, based on. Um, what I've researched, uh, you know, like politicians, they don't believe it as well. So that actually influences a widespread of people who also don't believe it. And that's becoming a real problem because, you know, it is a threat to the environment, but also because they also don't want to like face what they have to actually do to improve the environment. So like that may result in like, you know, paying extra taxes for the environment or like um, just doing whatever. So what are your opinions on this topic? Well, I agree 100% is that, you know, we have, we have a, a global warming, we have a climate change problem. And it's not, you know, in Markham, uh, I think we're especially challenged because the evidence of that is not immediately apparent when you look out your window, or when you walk down the street. Um, you know, people often, as we mentioned, associate global warming or climate change with increased temperatures, you know, and, and if they don't feel an increased temperature that's sustained, then they don't think they have a problem. But we are, we do have a problem. I mean, science is without questioning. Uh, now, it cannot be doubted anymore that we are in crisis here, that we have an existential uh, crisis that we need to address. And and I think Markham uh, needs to move on this a little faster because, uh, you know, my experience in uh, green politics with the Green Party has taught me that, you know, locally, it's easier to to ignore these problems than it is to address them. And that when you, you know, when you talk about these things, people get afraid. And one of the fears they have is that it's going to cost money, believe it or not. And when, when they start to worry more about budget concerns than they do about uh, long-term health concerns and the safety and security of the planet and the food supply, uh, you know, in the air and the water, then I think they put the wrong priority up front. We are starting to understand more and more now that we need to address the issues that will face us all on the globe, not just in isolation, not just here in Markham. We can't turn our backs on these, these bigger issues and think that because it's not affecting us directly, we don't have to worry about it. We are all connected here on this planet and Canada is warming faster than anywhere else. And we will see the impacts we have here in Markham, you know, increased floodings, uh, flooding rather, temperatures that are a lot higher over a, a period of time uh, that are sustained. 
um, you know, or colder at times or ice storms. Uh, we can't disregard what we're seeing. We need to connect that with climate change and global warming and, and be part of the solution to get on board with solving it. And that comes from people pushing politicians to make change. And when politicians take action, industry falls in line. And that's really important. That's how you do it. Yeah, like some people when, you know, they don't believe in global warming, it's because they haven't witnessed it firsthand. And um, I mentioned this in a previous um, discussion or conversation before that, you know, a lot of people associate global warming as like, you know, the temperature going higher. But their excuse can be like, oh, yeah, it's been like, all I see is rain. And that actually has something to do with global warming, because it's all about the evaporation cycle. So technically, the hotter it gets, the wetter it gets too. So it is related and connected. And a lot of people do not realize that. So, oh, uh, you've also mentioned that uh, you work with like native plants. And I'm aware that you actually have like, um, sorry, this is really hard to pronounce, but Arbert, Arboretum? Arboretum, yeah. Arboretum, yes, in, um, uh, at the school that you teach, so Millican. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, sorry, I'm just I'm outside and I'm having a passing truck again. But yeah, we have, um, you know, native plants are uh, critical to restoring e ecology and, and ecosystems, right? We, when we talk about um, trying to bring a, a, a small ecosystem, even if it's a fragmented ecosystem uh, that's small, even if it's a backyard ecosystem, then we need to move away from non-Indigenous uh, ornamental plants, you know, which are pretty plants. Uh, but what, again, science has discovered is that you're using plants that are pretty, that are annuals, that are ornamentals, that don't belong here, does not aid in anyway, the insect population that we need to sustain, to keep so much of that habitat alive. I mean, insects and biodiversity are on the deplete, the, the, the quick out. We are losing species at an exponential rate right now. So by doing the opposite thing, you know, okay, let's talk about maybe some trout lilies or some uh, swamp milkweed or uh, some blue vervain. You know, these plants are kind of roadside or forest plants that aren't necessarily the most spectacular garden plants. However, they make a big impact on insect populations and pollinators. So, you know, we know that monarch butterflies are, are facing incredible pressure and, and could be extinct in, in the next short while if we don't change because we've taken out milkweed out of everything. We've plowed up so much of the, of the areas that used to have milkweed plants. That's the plant that, that, uh, that those insects have a relationship with and need to propagate themselves. It's the only plant they can use. That's how they've evolved. And so if we wipe out that plant, we wipe out that, that particular butterfly. And you know what? Everybody loves monarch butterflies. They're beautiful. But we'll lose them unless we start to care about that and replant that plant. And so that's one of the things that we are trying to do with our group at the school. We are, you know, team is actually taking a direct initiative to try and restore, even in our own backyards, the habitat, any habitat that we can that is it, that is a native species based and we are trying to remove non-indigenous plants that are invasive so garlic mustard for example is one that has taken over in our little arboretum it thrives in in forests like that where it can populate and spread quickly and send out a toxin through its own roots that prevents the local plants from being able to establish and it doesn't do very much for the local uh, habitat, the insects that, that and the and the uh, 
animals, the mammals that, that need the other plants. So, you know, it's a real, it's a f- constant fight to try and restore those plants. And that's what we're attempting to do uh, through our program. And actually Fleming College is on board helping us to try and do that right now. Yeah, so that's really cool, actually. So did you want to talk about how COVID has impacted, you know, what's going on in the school with the arboretum and like all these native plants that you guys are trying to restore? Sure. Yeah. So uh, uh, we're, you know, in the same situation as, as everyone else where we're on a kind of learn from home uh, virtual learning experience right now. But our program is is very, very hands on and it's uh, experiential oriented. It, so it, it needs our program and the students in our program need to be able to do uh, those types of hands on things to learn properly. And so what we're doing right now is we decided, okay, how can we best uh, take this idea of where we would have been planting in our, in our local arboretum? How do we make that still happen, that concept happen, but maybe take it home? So what we're doing now is I'm, I'm actually going to the, the pollinator uh, plant store that's just down the street today, and I'm going to do a field trip for the students. I'm going to walk them through those plants that are on display, and I'm going to you know, with them, I'm going to try and pick out uh, enough plants for each of the students to co-develop. They're actually individually and co-develop their own pollinator plant garden. So it will be an ecological restoration project that would have happened at school. And now it's going to happen with permission of their parents in their own back or front yard. And so each student has a space that they've identified. They're currently in the process of, of creating enough of a, of a habitat that where those plants can thrive through the study of the plants themselves. So I've given them the plant list. They're looking at what conditions those plants will do best in. What conditions do I have here on my property? Which of those plants should I be asking for? That's what we're doing. And then I will deliver those and I'll deliver some soil next week and we'll create those little ecological restore, ecologically restored gardens. Yeah, so that's actually really cool how even with the pandemic and what's going on right now that you know, the students still have the passion within them to, you know, do these things from home where you would actually do it, you know, in school. Yes. So we are basically through our questions. Did you have any last words that you wanted to say before we ended this? I do actually. And I I think, again, I would go back to this idea that uh, working in the environment and working with students in the environment can be extremely depressing because there is so much talk about, you know, the sixth great mass extinction and, you know, climate change that's existentially irreversible. And, you know, it's everything seems like it's too big. And all the problems seem like they're so scary that there's no hope. And I think that it's really important to try and fight against that attitude. And to try and find, especially as a teacher, to try and find resources and opportunities that allow for action that is positive and that makes a difference. Uh, when one student takes it, it, it makes a difference for many other people locally and even beyond. And it empowers, when you tackle things like that, it empowers students to be the change makers. Uh, and it also uh, pays forward in a big way where, you know, there's a legacy left behind, you know, those students that create those gardens that I was just talking about, they will better understand what it takes to, to put those plants in the ground. And they will know which plants are most beneficial through more study and more research. And they'll be able to take that knowledge forward. And maybe they'll be able to help other people do the same thing. So we can, we can create a positive 
waves moving forward that ripple out uh, and and impact a lot of people as opposed to just one or two through keeping uh, our 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 focus on what we can do what what we should do and what we can do and to not uh, be you know lack of lackadaisical or or to lose our not be discouraged i guess is what i'm trying to say don't be so discouraged that you don't do anything because that's the opposite of what we should do try to try to remain positive and continue to to try and find ways to contribute in a positive way and that's what we all need to do and we will save this planet and you know a lot of people they don't realize the dangers of their actions now because although some people have experienced like things like global warming it's because of what we do but you know come 20 or 30 years down the line our the future generations are going to experience it so it's very important to you know sustain yeah very good yeah I th- and i think if i can say one more thing i think that word sustain uh is you no know, it's being used more it's not overused it's just i think it's starting to be understood you know we talk about concepts like the circular economy and uh sustainability um these are concepts that we need to not just theoretically talk about anymore not just uh you know in, in class where we just look at what that means we need to we need to turn that into uh, a word that that is a verb Right. And, and, you know, making that an action based uh, word, that's going to change everything. So when each of us understands, you know, what our uh, impact is, what our footprint is, and how we can best reduce it to, to contribute to sustainability. So sustainability means we want to be able to live here on this planet for a long, long time, not just for one or two generations, you know, so to sustain ourselves and the environment around us and and the economy and all the things that you want to be able to sustain, they're all connected. They're not looked at anymore, or they should not be looked at anymore as separate entities, because that's part of the problem. When you look at one thing in isolation, you don't solve these bigger problems. You need to see the connections between everything, just like you would in the environment, the, the entire system is connected. And we as humans are a part of it, not above it. We are one piece of it. It's a very indigenous uh, kind of an approach that can be, uh, that can change the world, actually, if we adopt it as as a people, as a species. Yeah, so I'm not sure if you do want to answer this, but um, in a previous discussion we had before, uh, you actually talked about, you know, how, like, what it's like to actually be a politician, because you are a part of the Green Party. So did you, you know, want to, if you're comfortable, if you wanted to discuss a little bit about what you meant? Yeah, so and, and you know, uh, becoming a politician and, and trying to push green values forward in, in Markham Thornhill, that was what, uh, that's why I stood up and did that. And I thought, well, there's an opportunity for me to connect my own you know, uh, civic activism, my passion for the environment, my my desire to lead in some positive way that's maybe a little bit outside the classroom and take that out into the community and to see whether or not I can change some minds and to see whether or not I can change the, uh, shake up the paradigm just a little bit. So it's not, you know, conservative versus liberal, but maybe there's another way, another thing that's important and, and, and putting the environment at the top instead of, you know, some of the other issues that that are most concerning for people. Um, and that's what I endeavored to do when I when I went out and ran for that election. But I discovered along the way that it's a real challenge, that people 
do not like everything that you are going to say. You know, and not only that, that they can be, they can have almost violent reactions to to some of the ideas that you might have. And I found that very challenging, uh, but very eye opening at the same time. Uh, you know, and one of the examples is I was spit on in the very first week of my campaign. Um, an individual who he reacted this way he didn't like what I was talking about. And I was just talking about, you know, the idea of maybe moving away from fossil fuels and shifting to more green technologies, green energy. And he actually spit on me and, you know, later came back and uh, apologized to me for doing that. But I was shocked that somebody could take what I was saying in that way, that it would be that kind of reaction. But, you know, that's the challenge you have as a politician. That's the kind of thick skin you need when you're going to do that work. Um, and, And people wonder, you know, I guess people think about politicians in a number of ways, but for me, I never thought I would be a politician until I threw my hat in the ring. And then I realized, whoa, you're, this is politics now. This is a different world than just talking about the environment. This is uh, actually representing uh, a viewpoint, a bunch of viewpoints that are uh, considered by many people to be even dangerous. And so you have to be prepared for that when you take on that kind of challenge. And, you know, now I understand it, having gone through it, and I appreciate the opportunity to to learn about it. But I don't think that's the best use of my own resources now. Now that I've done it once, I think that I'm 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 probably more useful, you know, as a as a teacher and as a as a person who can coordinate activities and uh, as a person who can speak from a position of uh, citizenship as opposed to politics. Yes, I feel like. That was a great learning experience for you. And despite there being these ups and downs, it really does show that there's, you know, a clear divide amongst people on like such an obvious problem, such as the environment. So thank you for sharing that story. Um, So we actually have reached the end. We would like to thank you and to Mr. Williams. Uh, That was actually very insightful. And we would like to thank everyone for listening. Don't forget to check out our Instagram and Twitter page if you haven't already at TogetherByJA. Remember to DM us on Instagram telling us what you did to take care of the environment. We will see you guys on the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Also, be sure to check out our Kahoot when it launches. We are going to be putting out Kahoots for upcoming podcasts. So if you are interested in a chance of winning some gift cards, keep a lookout and stay alert for when we post more information on our social media. Thank you.